Happy Monday, everybody. My name is Brandon Rosa, and welcome to episode 196 of the Xbox in 10 podcast, your weekly source of Xbox gaming news covered in around 10 minutes. Every Monday, this podcast covers new game releases, the previous week's gaming news, and we all are in an Xbox-related fun fact together. The show is on YouTube and podcast services around the world, so please subscribe on your favorite and leave a review. Xboxin10.com, no numbers, is your quick source for links to all of our podcast destinations and social media profiles that you can follow at Xboxin10. To start, let's talk game releases. The big game out last week was Atomic Heart, available now on Game Pass. And the games coming out this week include Merge and Blade, Scars Above, Leap, Bendy and the Dark Revival, Brock the Investigator, Power Wash Simulator, Midgar Special Pack, Benaris Tactics, Meg's Monster, Mayhem in Single Valley, Iris and the Giant, Jurassic Pinball, The Smile Alchemist, Wolong Fallen Dynasty, and of course, Destiny 2 Lightfall. Cannot wait. An update coming soon to Xbox Game Pass is as follows. Available now, as I said, Atomic Heart on Cloud Console and PC. Then on February 28th, you can play Merge and Blade Cloud Console and PC, Soul Hackers 2 Cloud Console and PC. On March 2nd, F122 on Console and PC. And then March 3rd, Wolong Fallen Dynasty Cloud Console and PC. Now into last week's biggest news stories, and we have seven to cover this week. Number one, Microsoft signs 10-year deal to bring Call of Duty to Nintendo. Wesley LeBlanc at Game Informer writes, Microsoft has signed a binding 10-year legal agreement with Nintendo to bring Call of Duty to Nintendo players, presuming the company's colossal $69 billion acquisition of Activision Blizzard is approved. Since the acquisition announcement last year, Microsoft has been attempting to prove to government agencies like the U.S. Federal Trade Commission that this acquisition does not fall into any monopolistic activity and would not harm competitors like PlayStation. However, Microsoft has had a bit rough of a go at it. To counter, though, the company has been proactive in attempting to get the green light from the FTC, going as far as promising PlayStation that Call of Duty games will continue to come to Sony's consoles, and agreeing to bring Call of Duty to Nintendo hardware. Now, Microsoft President and Vice Chair Brad Smith has announced on Twitter that Microsoft has formally signed a legally binding 10-year agreement with Nintendo to bring Call of Duty games to Nintendo players. Here's the statement Smith released on behalf of Microsoft in full. Quote, Microsoft and Nintendo have negotiated and signed a binding 10-year legal agreement to bring Call of Duty to Nintendo players the same day as Xbox with full feature and content parity so they can experience Call of Duty just as Xbox and PlayStation gamers enjoy Call of Duty. We are committed to providing long-term equal access to Call of Duty to other gaming platforms, bringing more choice to more players and more competition to the gaming market. Many have already begun to speculate how Activision Blizzard will bring Call of Duty games to Nintendo consoles which are traditionally much less powerful than current-gen Xbox and PlayStation consoles with, quote, full feature and content parity, end quote. If I had to guess, Call of Duty likely go the route of cloud gaming as seen on Switch, unless Nintendo's next console is set to be a significantly more powerful piece of hardware, only time will tell. Well, this is huge and very interesting to see how this is all going to play out. Xbox, if the deal goes through, has certainly put themselves in an interesting position as having to get this game running on seemingly the Switch 2. Now, it will be more powerful, but at more powerful, are we talking Xbox One X level? Are we talking Series S level? It's going to be a challenge to bring this game. It's clearly going to be on cloud, but does that mean this is going to be further evidence of Call of Duty coming out every two years? To me, that makes sense with some of the rumors. Give the games time to breathe, allow the developers more time to get them on every single platform now. I can't wait to see what the future holds. Number two, Microsoft announces new deal to bring Xbox PC titles to NVIDIA GeForce Now service. Heidi Nicholas at True Achievements writes, It's been a busy time for Microsoft as its proposed acquisition of Activision Blizzard undergoes continuing scrutiny. Microsofts have now announced an expansive new gaming deal with NVIDIA. 
Microsoft and NVIDIA's deal will bring Xbox PC games to NVIDIA's GeForce Now cloud gaming service, including Activision Blizzard PC titles if the proposed acquisition goes ahead. Microsoft and NVIDIA's agreement involves a 10-year partnership which will see Xbox PC games brought to GeForce Now, a service which Microsoft points out has over 25 million members, including Activision Blizzard PC titles if the acquisition is approved. A statement from Xbox boss Phil Stenser was shared with the announcement. Quote, Xbox remains committed to giving people more choice and finding ways to expand how people play. This partnership will help grow NVIDIA's catalog of titles to include games like Call of Duty, while giving developers more ways to offer streaming games. We are excited to offer gamers more ways to play the games they love, end quote. G4 Senior Vice President Jeff Fisher also shared his thoughts. Quote, combining the incredibly rich catalog of Xbox first-party games with GeForce Now's high-performance streaming capabilities will propel crowd gaming into a mainstream offering that appeals to gamers at all levels of interest and experience. Through this partnership, more of the world's most popular titles will now be available from the cloud with just a click, playable by million more gamers, end quote. Another very interesting story and big development in the ongoing acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Combining this with the Nintendo news, it seems like Microsoft is doing all that they possibly can to sway all the different trade commissions into approving this deal. They will now bring Call of Duty and other Activision Blizzard games to Nintendo Switch where they have previously not been accessible. They are also now going to the rival streaming service NVIDIA GeForce Now and bringing more games there than ever. It's going to really be hard for them to rebuttal this honestly at this point and I know nothing about this. It seems hard like this won't be approved. Let's just find out and put this in the past already. Number 3. Forza Horizon 5 Rally Adventure available March 29th. Credit to Torburn Ellert, design director of Forza Horizon at Playground Games over on Xbox Wire, and I'm just going to read the summary bullet points for this story. Kick up massive dust trails in Forza Horizon 5 Rally Adventure coming March 29th to the Forza Horizon 5 Premium Add-on Bundle, Premium Edition, and Expansions Bundles, and available for a standalone purchase at $19.99 USD. Discover the rugged Sierra Nueva and explore six new biomes including dramatic craters and abandoned quarry in an entirely smashable palm forest. Build your ultimate rally machine using all new parts including anti-lag with spectacular flame effects and firecracker audio, as well as launch control for that perfect rally start. A game that just isn't for me, I'd love to look at how beautiful the game is, go watch a trailer, it does look incredible, but it's just something I'm not going to be checking out myself. Number 4, Halo Infinite Season 3 Echoes Within is its biggest update yet. James Carr at GameSpot writes, Halo Infinite is set to get its biggest multiplayer update yet with Season 3 Echoes Within, which kicks off on March 7th ahead of the new season. 343 Industries released the trailer showing off the new maps, modes, and weapons that will be added as part of the new season. The Season 3 Echoes Within launch trailer shows off three new maps from 343. The first is the big team battle map Oasis, which takes place in a red desert, with a small grassy oasis located on the map. The other two maps, Cliffhanger and Chasm, are arena maps. The first takes place on a mountain with melting snow around the map, while Chasm is set in a Forerunner construct. Those aren't the only new maps coming along with Season 3 of Halo Infinite, as there are four new community maps getting added to the community playlist as well, with art rooms, a bedroom where the players are choice-sized headlining the drop. This comes alongside the announcement that players will be able to earn XP in the community playlist moving forward. There are two new additions to the Halo Infinite arsenal. With the Shroud Screen equipment and the Bandit Rifle, the Shroud Screen it creates a medium-sized bubble that obstructs visibility, not letting anyone see in or out of it. The Bandit Rifle looks to be a spiritual successor to the DMR, offering the same high-powered single shots but without the scope. The new game mode, Escalation Slayer, appears to work similar to Call of Duty's gun game, when you obtain a new weapon after each kill while working your way through every weapon in the game. A sizzle reel of the new cosmetics promises some vibrant colors and patterns for players to customize their Spartans with, 
There are also some story teasers for the Battle Pass theme, showing a Spartan go through some trippy and traumatizing events, presumably related to the Echoes Within Season name. Halo Infinite Season 3 Echoes Within starts on March 7th. Can we even call these things seasons anymore if they come out so far and few in between? I mean, this is supposed to come out in December, and we're here on March 7th, so... It says a lot, but it does look good. I hope the community likes it, but it's just something I'm not going to check out. Halo Infinite, you lost me. Bring me back with a Battle Royale mode, please. Number 5. Shinji Mikami to leave Tango Gameworks after 13 years. Ryan Dinsdale at IGN writes, Famed game developer Shinji Mikami, well known for directing the original Resident Evil and The Evil Within, is leaving Tango Gameworks for 13 years. Confirmed in a tweet from Bethesda, Mikami will be leaving the studio, which he founded in 2010 in the coming months. Quote, we can confirm that Shinji Mikami has decided to leave Tango Gameworks in the coming months, end quote, the post said. Quote, we thank him for his work as a creative director and supportive mentor to young developers on the Evil Within franchise, Ghostwire Tokyo, and of course, Hi-Fi Rush. We wish Mikami-san well in the future and are excited by what lies ahead for the talented developers at Tango, end quote. No reason for his departure was given, Mikami himself is yet to speak publicly about why he has chosen to leave Tango Gameworks or what might he do next. The studio launched The Evil Within in 2014 before going on to make a sequel, with both games bearing a resemblance to classic Resident Evil games. Tango Gameworks then went on to make Ghostwire Tokyo, an open-world action-adventure game that still had some spooky elements that launched last year. If anyone knows me on the show by now, I love Resident Evil, and this is one of the fathers of Resident Evil. And of course, RE4, which is getting a remake soon, is one of my favorite games of all time, objectively one of the best games of all time, and a game I have bought on too many platforms to count at this point. Sad to see him go from Tango Gameworks, I'm excited to see what he does next. If he does something next in the game industry, I will certainly be following. Number 6. Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League will have free post-launch content and battle pass. Tom West at True Achievements writes, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League is the upcoming third-person shooter from Rocksteady Studios, and the developer has just dropped not one but two videos that gives us a double dose of action and a good look at the game's four-player co-op, as well as a brief overview of its free post-launch content plan. In the extended gameplay trailer, Rocksteady has revealed the chaotic gameplay that can be achieved when four players take control of the Suicide Squad. Each character brings something different to the team, offering a wide array of different mechanics that will hopefully mean there is something for everyone. Captain Boomerang brings high-speed action, Deadshot employs hover abilities and a vast arsenal of weaponry from assault rifles to his signature sniper rifle, Harley Quinn comes loaded with comical quips and acrobatics, and King Shark uses his immense size to crash down on enemies. Additionally, the other video offers a behind-the-scenes look and commentary from many members of Rocksteady's team. It dives into the game's core elements and characters and gives a small overview of the developer's post-launch content plans. Rocksteady says there will be cosmetic-only battle pass system in place for new outfits, emotes, and more, as well as free post-launch content in the way of new missions and earnable characters. I have to say, this game showed very well. This is obviously at Sony's state of play this week, and it's the first time that this game got me excited. If it feels good to play, it does look like it can be a lot of fun. Does it give off Anthem vibes? Sure, but I'm actually one of the Anthem defenders in terms of the gameplay only, having been really fun to actually play. Everything else was pretty bad. Shout out to Harley Quinn, as that will probably be my main. And number 7, Call of Duty 2023 will continue Modern Warfare 2 story, will be led by Sledgehammer Games. Alessandro Filari at IGN writes, Changes are coming to the Call of Duty franchise's upcoming release in 2023, and players will remain settled in the modern era. 
In a new report from Bloomberg, Activision has modified its annual Call of Duty release schedule plans. Shifting away from a planned expansion for Modern Warfare, reports now state that it will move towards another full game set in the modern era, to be developed by Sledgehammer Games. Previous reports last year stated that plans for Call of Duty in 2023 would be an experimental phase for the franchise, focusing on a high-end expansion for last year's Modern Warfare 2, which is apparently scaled up for a full release. Though no official details are out at this time, the Bloomberg report stated that the game would focus on a continuation of the Modern Warfare 2 and its systems, but it will not be Modern Warfare 3. Such Army Games the developers behind Call of Duty Vanguard will be heading up the game's development with support coming from other Activision studios, including Infinity Ward and Treyarch. According to previous reports, the original plan for COD 2023 was to maintain growth and support for Modern Warfare 2, which is now the fastest selling game to hit 1 billion in franchise history. I really don't see how this is going to work. And you're going to hear it here first as my first of concerns for this game. I feel like this might be the first one that really take things back a couple of notches. If this was originally an expansion and everyone loves Modern Warfare. Do you really want everyone to leave that game to play this new game? I'm just missing it. That's why I really feel like Call of Duty should be every two years. I feel like it would make the game sell more because by after two years since they support the game so well, people will be craving for that new experience. Xbox, let's buy them, let's do it every two years, and let's see how much fun we can have in the Call of Duty universe. As always, we end our show with a fun fact about Xbox, and this one is Phil Spencer reflecting on an old piece of Xbox hardware. Credit this Chris Scullion at Video Games Chronicle. Phil Spencer believes Kinect was one of Xbox's biggest contributions to gaming. Xbox Boss says the peripheral helped expand awareness of accessibility. Speaking in an interview to Edge Magazine, the head of Xbox was asked what he thought Xbox had contributed to the industry, to which he replied that creating Xbox Live on the original Xbox, then making it standard on every 360 console was one of the best examples. However, Spencer then went on to cite that Kinect as the second key contribution, an answer that might prove surprising to some given the peripheral's less than stellar reputation among Xbox users. Quote, was motion control the way everybody should play every game? I'd say the answer to that is no in my view, and quote Spencer conceded before pointing out that the Kinect and its games were still important in changing Xbox's image. Quote, prior to that, it's not like everything was M-rated games, but when we started doing the things like Kinect Sports and things from other developers like Double Fine's Happy Action Theater and the dance games, they really opened up our eyes to the breadth of what Xbox could be, end quote. Sensor also notes in an interview that the Kinect was a catalyst for Xbox's future steps in making video games more accessible to players with disabilities, citing, quote, very heartfelt emails, end quote, from parents of children who couldn't play games before the Kinect arrived. Quote, I look at the accessibility work that we've done, whether it's our adaptive controller or software work that we've done, and I think you can draw direct lines back to Kinect, end quote. That's really good to hear, and I never thought about it that way, but it certainly paved the road for all the great accessibility work that Xbox is doing. Not that I would consider myself a defender of Kinect, but at least with the 360 Kinect, there were some amazing nights with friends in high school, and maybe it was only two times. But having everyone together, girls and guys, everyone taking turns at Dance Central, it was truly some fun times. As for Kinect on the Xbox One, I used it nearly every day. Xbox on. Xbox go to Netflix. And then navigating the buttons to basically say Xbox play the office, which I did rinse and repeat through my early days of college. I enjoyed the Kinect, it obviously wasn't the way we should have played games, it should have been optional. They made mistakes, but we learned from it and it did pave the way for a good accessible future. Thank you all for listening to the Xbox in 10 podcast, your weekly source of Xbox gaming news covered in around 10 minutes or longer if the week requires that. If you like the show, please subscribe to your favorite podcast service, share with your friends, leave a review, and follow on all social media at Xbox in 10. 
This past week I haven't had much time to play, but I knocked out another couple chapters in Resident Evil 6 with my friend. That is probably going to be the worst game I've ever played and beaten. I can't believe I'm saying that. I mentioned earlier how big of a fan I am of Resident Evil, but this game is truly something awful. Unbelievable. And I'm continuing my grind in Hogwarts Legacy, which is just so much fun to play. My name is Brian Rose. You can follow me on Xbox at Rose93. Hope you have a great week. Stay safe and keep on gaming.